And I'm just so excited about this morning. I'm going to start a series that uh, God put on my heart, and I've never, he laid it on my heart to um, uh, really go past, to really talk about the whole summer. And I've never really done a, a one series over, over uh, more than four weeks. So we'll see where it goes. But I am excited because I believe God is going to do something amazing. Amen? Well, this is uh, Pentecost Sunday. That's a, it's a day that the church celebrates. And you think, well, wow, what, what's that all about? You know, we have days. In our culture, we have, we have days we celebrate, right? So in our culture, we, like we just had Donut Day, right? You, you know that? How many partook of Donut Day? That was, uh, I did. I did. I did. This, this is a good thing. This is, you know, there are some cultural things that are really good. In fact, we went, we went to Dunkin' Donuts. They give away a free donut, one free donut, okay? So I'm thinking, hey, I'll take it. You're going to give it? I'll take it. So we buy six donuts assorted for the whole family, not just for me. Uh, and uh, so we, we buy six donuts, and I said, uh, so we get a free donut, you know? It's donut day. <laughs> Celebrate National Donut. And, they, and they, she said, oh, no, it costs you more money. Okay, where does this break down? How, how come you can have a donut day where they give free donuts and National Donut Day and it costs you more money? She said, well, see, you're buying it like a half a dozen and that's cheaper, but if I have to charge you, uh, uh, if you're going to get this sixth one free, then you have to charge you all for all five and that's going to cost you more money. And I'm just scratching my head. I said, I don't get it. I just want a free donut. I buy, you give me a free donut. What did, where did it like that? And she explained all that. And I'm still sitting down afterwards and talking with my son, Justin, who has a way of figuring things out. <laughs> and I said, I missed something. We bought, we shouldn't we got it. She, and then he, because I'm thinking, I buy six, I get one free. She, he goes, oh, no, no, no. That's not the way she was thinking. She was thinking you wanted one of the six free. I said, no, I buy six, just give me a free donut. You know, there's a misunderstanding there. <laughs> there's a confusion there, and I get her. Maybe she just didn't want to give away donuts. I don't know. <laughs> we enjoyed the donuts that we bought. But I thought about that, and I, and I think it's important that we understand our church culture, the, the, the things that, that how we got started. And that's what Pentecost is really all about. You see, on the Passover, on Passover Sunday, there's a Jewish um, feast and holiday. Jesus died and was crucified and rose again. And then for 40 days, he visited all of his disciples, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them. In fact, that's where most likely the, uh, the, the brothers of Jesus, the half-brothers, who were trying to, you know, drag him off and kill him when he was ministering, after his death, he appeared to them, and they miraculously got converted. I mean, James in your Bible and Jude are both uh, half-brothers of Jesus, and here they are writing about the gospel. So there was an um, amazing thing going on these 40 days. And then we have the ascension where Jesus goes up to heaven and says, I'm going away, but I'm coming back. <laughs> we just hang on to that promise. <laughs> You're having a rough, rough week. God's, God's coming back. <laughs> so, But then there's 10 days where Jesus said, I want you to go to Jerusalem and just hang out. Just hang out in Jerusalem because I'm going to send you the comforter. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. And that then comes up to where they began to celebrate Pentecost, which is a Jewish feast that's 50 days from Passover. And, and on that feast with everyone there, with everyone in town, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit just comes and pours out and explodes these disciples into a church, transforms them into just you know, a, a bunch of believers into something that's going to move out and surge out and take over the entire world. 
you. So it's important that we understand that. And, and that's what I really want to focus on. In fact, I want to talk about this whole series. I'm, going to, I'm, I'm named it the Spiritual Surge Series. And so all summer long, we're going to talk about how God's going to move us and how God's going to move you. And, and sometimes we feel stuck in our families. We still, not, not that we want to get out of them, but we, they're not moving, they're not growing, they're not progressing, they're not changing, they're not, they're not healthy, or our finances, or all kinds of things, or our, our spiritual walk with God. How do we get stronger with God? How do we actually see God begin to do things in our life and begin to, to move? See, I be, I'm believing for that, and I'm believing this summer we're going to see breakthroughs. I'm believing that, I'm praying for that, for each one of you, name by name, person by person. That we're going to see incredible breakthroughs in your life. We're going to see this surge that I'm talking about. But this morning, we're going to lay down a foundation. Just what does it mean? What, what, does, that, what does that mean, Greg, to, to ha, be in God's search? So I'm going to talk about how do we move in God's search? Moving in God's search. How do we do that? How do we, how do we step into that? And, and really, what, what, what does that mean? <laughs> now, surges are, are funny things. So if you typed in on the Internet right now, summer surge, you're not going to see waves. <laughs> you're not, you're not going to see you know, that. You're going to see 1,001 pictures of COVID. It's true. <laughs> We're all preparing. The world is preparing for a summer surge of COVID. I mean, just, just, just everywhere. You know, someone told me they went to the Costco and, the, and half of the store were masks now. <laughs> but, and that's fine, and we should do whatever, and I'm not saying anything about that. I'm just saying, but what I'm preparing for, the surge that I'm believing for this summer, is something different. It's something more profound. It's something on a spiritual level that God wants to do in our life, that God wants to stir and awaken in our, in our life and in our hearts, wherever you're at. Wherever level you think you're at, I'm just starting out, I don't really understand anything, or I don't know if I even believe this, to, man, I, I, I'm, just, I'm, I'm with God, I'm, I'm living every day with God. Wherever you're at, it doesn't matter. There is a surge that God has for you. I believe that with all my heart. So I want to begin with a place that you would think you wouldn't begin with, but it's important to understand, to lay this foundation, how are we going to, how are we going to move in God, how are we going to grow in God. How are we going to see those breakthroughs in our families and in our lives and our hearts and our thought lives and whatever it is? Now, I want to look at Numbers 21. I think in Numbers 21, what is that? There's a, a story that, that maybe you've heard about that's in the middle of this, but it is, it is a great picture of how do we move and actually start to see God do things in our life. How do we actually begin to grow? So Israel's going along. You know, they, they traveled for 40 years in the wilderness getting ready, getting ready to go into the promised land. And so God is with them, and they're traveling around. And this is one of those times. And what happened is the enemy comes. How many of you know there's always an enemy? There's always, there's always something out there. The enemy comes, defeats them, battles them, defeats them, and captures a, a big group of them and takes them off. Now, this is one of those really strange stories where enemy uh, Israel gets defeated, God's people gets defeated, and they weren't doing anything wrong. <laughs> they, 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 they're just living, you know, and sometimes that gets us too, right? Hey, I'm just trying to serve God. I'm just trying to live a good life. I'm just trying to, to have God in my life, and all of a sudden this happens, and this happens, and this happens, and that's how Israel felt. So Israel cries out, and they realize they can't defeat this enemy. It's too strong. Their cities are too strong. They were just trying to pass through, and now they're all, they're all torn up. And so they cry out to God and say, God, help us. And this is what they say. It's real important. They say, God, we'll give you, we, we will vow a vow to you 
that if you help us defeat this enemy that's against us, they're all yours. Everything's yours. Everything that's, we'll dedicate everything in this victory to you. You will have it all. We won't do anything. It's all yours. Now, it's important to understand where they're at, right? So they're going through the, the wilderness. They're trying to get into the promised land, and God is bringing manna down from heaven. Manna is this, is this it, manna means what is this? <laughs> it wasn't a bread. It's what is this? Nobody knows what it is. It was some kind of a heavenly food that just appeared on the ground, and it would be gone by the, the end of day. And so they would take it, <laughs> and they would eat, and that's how they were sustained. There's probably a million, million and a half of them. So a lot of people right? And going through, and this is how God sustained Israel in the, in the, in the wilderness and he would give them water. And, but how many knows, okay, so if you had a meal Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, the same exact meal, the same exact way, cooked the same exact way, exactly the same, how many on the fifth day you'll be thinking, anything, <laughs> give me anything, but I'm done with this. And that, and now imagine 40 years. They were done. They had manna from heaven, they had manna kati, they had manna bread, they had manna everything. They were done with the manna. <laughs> they just, and, 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 and so they had all this manna, and so this is how they're sustained. God gives them the victory. God moves in their life and brings them the victory. And you see, it's important for us to understand, we're in the same situation. You say, well, Greg, how does this apply to us? Well, you are the same situation. We give our life to God, and we say, God, it's yours. And after we give it to, to God, we're thinking, wait a minute. That's not what exactly I meant, <laughs> or that's, that's a little too much. Because this is exactly what happened to Israel. Because in verse 4, I love this little verse. It's just, it's so simple, but it, it is profound. Verse 4 of chapter 21, it simply says this, but the people grew impatient. None of us have ever grown impatient with God, right? Okay, that's really awesome. Uh, but the people grew impatient on the way. So they're moving. They're trying to serve God. They're trying to do it right. They just grew impatient. Now, the NIV says impatient really watered down that world, word. It's really a very strong word. It means vexed. <laughs> it, 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 it means grieved. It means it means, okay, they were ticked. It's <laughs> probably another word you can think it up, but don't say it out loud. They were really, really upset. They were, and you think, well, what are they upset about? What is going on? Why would they be so upset after God gave them the victory and after they did exactly what they vowed and they gave everything, all the cities, all the crops, all the, everything was given to God. It was all, it was all uh, surrendered up to God. So they didn't take any of it, okay? And so why would they be all upset? But you need to move down a little bit further and Numbers 21, and it begins to explain specifically what they're upset about. And this is what they're saying. God, we are upset and tired of this food. It's worthless food. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't taste any good. I put salt on it and nothing happens. I don't like this food anymore. They were complaining. They complained against God. They complained against Moses because they were just tired of the food. The what? The manna. You see, the, what happened is they, there were crops. There were you know, fruit and, and grapes and, and sheep and cattle and all kinds of things that they gave to God because they vowed, this God, if you help us win this, this is all yours. And now they've grown to a different appetite. They're saying, man, we still have men and we had all this. It was right there. All we had to do is, you know, couldn't we just have a one night, like one feast or something? And yet they gave it all away. 
And you think, and I think in our, in our hearts and our lives so many times, we give our life to Jesus. And what that means is he's got it all. He's in control. He's running it. He's taking care of us. He's providing. He gives us the victory. But it all belongs to him. But I think sometimes we grow impatient and we think, God, I, I, don't, I, I don't necessarily want it this way. I want my life on my terms. I want to go to church. I want to do here. I want to hang with my friends. I want to do like that. But I just want to serve it on my terms. And God says, you give it all to me because that's how we move. You see, Jude 3 explains it really, really clearly. And it, it is a really amazing word. It's it's used in this form only once and a few other times in different forms throughout the New Testament. And he says, you are to contend for the faith. Oh, wait a minute. I thought we are saved by grace. I think we just sit back. Grace comes in. We live good life. More grace. Good life. Isn't that the way, isn't that, isn't that, isn't that way it works? And all of a sudden, Jude is saying, he said, hey, if we need a fight because this word is a serious, hard word. Fight with all your might, with all your heart, with all your soul, against sin, against uh, doubt, against fear, against all these things, against everything. Fight, 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 fight. That's what Jude is saying. And that's important for understanding. And what he was trying to convey is this attitude that just comes across in my first really thought this morning is that if we're going to move in God's search, if you're going to see God's search in your life and your family, if you're going to see some changing going on, God's search comes from a whole heart. The, and we just can't get to the place where we just say, well, I'll give you this, God, and I'm going to keep this. It's so easy to do. We grow impatient and we think, God, but I wanted that and it looks so good and it just, yeah, let me have that. Why can't I have that wife instead of this wife? <laughs> Why, why can't I live this way instead of doing that? Why can't I behave this way? Why can't I do this? And all of a sudden, it, it just begins to grow an appetite into our mouth. It means to fight, to fight. But you see, they did right. They vowed a vow. They said, God, if you help us. It didn't mean that all the spoils. It just meant this particular uh, area and these cities all belong to God. So he said, give it, give it to me. And so they did right, but all of a sudden, even though they did right, oh, you're going to love this. <laughs> even though they did right, the heart wasn't in it. And over and over and over again, we see in Scripture that says, it's not just about doing. Doing is important. If you don't do, then it's not from the heart. But if you do and you don't really have your whole heart in it, then it's like in giving. He says, don't give grudgingly. Don't do that. Don't do that. I'd rather you don't even give because you're missing the point. It's about the whole heart. When my kids were growing up, we gave them chores according to their age and according to their abilities and according to what we think that we could do and stuff we didn't want to do. So <laughs> that's what it was. That's what chores are for. Oh, sorry, kids. I didn't mean to tell you that. But that's what chores are, right? And so they did, they did good and they, they did these chores and sometimes and, you know, other times, you know. But over the years now, as my family has grown, it's moved from chores to family. It's moved where they don't, just, they don't just do a chore. They do it because they're part of the family. And it's a difference between being a servant and a son. A servant does it out of obligation. A servant does it, I got, I got to do this. Or a servant does it because, you know, God will beat me up if I don't. Or whatever it is. A servant has all these type of things. But a son does it because that's... He's part of the family. The daughter does it because that's, that's, they are the family. And see, when we all of a sudden begin to think 
differently and move from I'm just going to do this to make God happy to do this and to the family and understanding what God is, it changes everything. You see, Israel acted, but they didn't do it with the right heart. They didn't understand that. I want you to look at Hebrews chapter one, uh, 6, verse 1. It says, let us move beyond the beginning teachings about Christ. Not that those aren't important, but look what he's saying. He says, let us move beyond the beginning teachings of Christ and, to, and, and move and be taken forward into maturity. As, in other words, to surge, to move, to grow, to strengthen, to change, to not to be dealing with the same thing, to go around that same mountain having that same uh, failure, you know, that, that uh, what, I, what I call easy button. The enemy has an easy button for every one of us. He puts on us. You know, it used to be a commercial. You push it because that gets them every time. You know, you're doing good, you're doing good, you're doing good, and the enemy goes, okay, I'll get you to boop, get that one, push that one. Oh, man. And how do we break that? How do we get stronger? How do we see God really change everything in our life? Lauren Daigle has a song. I, I love her. I'd sing it for you, but you wouldn't enjoy the song anymore. But she's, she, she's amazing. And this is what got me. It, it simply says the course over and over said here's my heart here's my heart here's my heart and it's, it's profound and as cool and as drawing as all that is it's the phrase she says after that that I thought that'll preach <laughs> that's good because it says here's my heart here's my heart here's my heart speak what is true and we need to understand that we can't understand truth when God doesn't have our heart when we have part of our heart here, we think, God, how come I can't hear you? How come I, this is going wrong? How come this is wrong? Because when we hold part of our heart back, then, then the truth cannot come in. The truth comes in when we start with a heart that says, God, I'm all yours. Mind, soul, body. I don't get it all. I don't understand it all. And I'm not perfect, but it's all yours. <laughs> Whatever it is, however it is, it's all yours. That's what God wants. That's all that God ever wants. You see, the second thought is that if we're going to surge, if we're going to see God surge, we need, to, we need to look to Jesus. It's always about Jesus. No matter if I'm preaching out of numbers or if I'm preaching out of revelation, it's always about Jesus. Jesus is about, it's the story in every verse and every thought of everything that we study. It's always about Jesus. And we find the same here because what happened is, is because they were complaining, God punished them. And snakes started to come up and bite them. Deadly snakes. It was, it, was, it was going through the whole camp. You imagine there would be nowhere to go. There's a million and a half people, and there's snakes everywhere. It was, it was horrible. And so they called out and said, God, please help us. God, forgive us. God, we're sorry. And God comes to Moses and says, this is what I want you to do. I want you to take one of the standards, you know, that have flags on and things like that. Have a standard. So it was a pole with a, a bar across the top, and and. Make a serpent, a snake, the same kind, looks like the ones that are biting and killing us, and put it up there and put it out in the middle of the whole congregation, the whole multitude, and when they come and they see it, they'll be healed. Now, you might be thinking, that's the strangest story I've ever heard. Why in the world? Because wouldn't that like turn into an idol that they would worship? As a matter of fact, it did. They kept it, and years later, because they're, they're just dinglings, <laughs> they, 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 they did that. Why would God do that then? What was it about the, the snake? See, the snake didn't symbolize evil. Mm -mm. 
And it didn't, it didn't, it didn't symbolize what's hurting them. Nope. None of that. You know what it symbolized? Their sin. They had to look, watch this, on their sin and simply believe. Just believe. Here we have, in the Old Testament, the simplest, most profound story of just believing. They didn't say, come and get stabbed. <laughs> no, because we know how we are about that. You know, come get these, you know, these shots. No, no, no. Or drink all this medicine that's just horrible, whatever. It's none of that. They didn't have to do any of that. All they had to do was go to the, uh, the cross where the snake was on and look at it, <laughs> and they would be healed if they believed. Wow. But you know what is just amazing? Is that there is a verse there that says, if they came and looked, which gave a real clear indication that some didn't. Okay. That's just crazy. How could that be? If you get bitten by a snake, okay, that, that just that part can't be fun. And poison is coursing through your bodies, and you're beginning to feel the effects of it. And, and I've never been bitten by a snake but I imagine it's not a pleasant experience. <laughs> and, and, and the poison is going through that. Who would not go look? Who would not just say, I'm, okay, this is, if we believe and we look, and we'll, you know, we'll be healed. Who would not do that? And yet, it was clear some didn't. It's crazy. You may be thinking, oh, man, I can't, I can't believe that. Who wouldn't just look at the cross and believe? Who who couldn't just believe that, that Jesus Christ has forgiven them? See, Nicodemus is a very smart man. He was a Pharisee. He was just a teacher and scholar. Very intellectual, right? So he comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, I just want to know your message. What are you doing? Jesus says, okay. Let me, let me explain it. He begins to explain it about being born again. <laughs> he mocked it. <laughs> they still mock it today. <laughs> Born again? <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> well, that's what he said. He said, what does that mean? And Jesus goes, uh, okay, I'm not saying about physically. I'm talking about spiritually. Become a different person because who you are is not good, and I can make you good if you make into a great, a new person. And then he says this verse we all know, John three sixteen. for God so loved the world, for God so loved the world, that anyone who believes, if they believe, will be forgiven. Oh, wow, it's a great verse. We know everything. But do you know that Jesus explained it before he said verse 16? We know verse 16. We quote verse 16, but do we know verse 14? And do we know verse 15? Because that's how he explains how that means anything to us. You know, because how do I believe? And what, what do you mean? Because then he says, and look at in verse 14 of John chapter 3, and he says, just, this is Jesus talking to Nicodemus, the intellectual, to help him understand, come on, get this in, understand what I'm saying, just like Moses, which Nicodemus would have known all about, just like Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. He, he said, Nicodemus, I'm the snake. Wow. And that's how you believe. You see, how do they believe? It wasn't some big thing. They didn't have to go through all this penance, and they didn't have to do all this type of thing. They just had to see the sin. They had to see their sin. And then they believed, 
and they were healed. And Jesus said it's the same thing. If you, if you see, looking at the cross, even though it's so simple, even though it's, it's made simple, you see, the Bible says that Jesus was made sin. The sinless one, the one without any sin, without any, without any fault whatsoever, completely sinless, became sin for me. Why? Just forgive me? No, 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 no. He became sin so that we could look at our sin on the cross and say, you became my sin. Jesus became my sin. I won't give you a list. Just, just grant it. You know, I'm not perfect yet. <laughs> he became my sin on that cross. He became your sin, whatever it is, however great, however it, bad you think it is. He became that and died so that he can be made new, so that we can become new by simply believing Simply believing. See, by looking at the cross, you know, there's all kinds of religion and artifacts and things now, but you know what it's all about? It's looking and saying, God, I need you because I'm a sinner. And believing, and we're forgiven, and we're healed, and we're made whole. And the sin that was coursing through our bodies that changes us, that binds us, that holds us, we can't be free from it. You can be the best person in the world, but you cannot get free of your own sin. You just can't. <laughs> you just as soon as you think you do, it creeps back up, and there it is again. Only in Jesus Christ. Only in Jesus Christ. Here's my last thought. God's search comes. Mm, you got to get this. You're going to move. I believe, I believe you, God's going to really do some things in your life this summer. I'm believing that. I'm confessing that over you. But that search comes because we know he's already won. <laughs> because I've, I, this is what you're doing. You, oh, God, I got this, and this is going to change it. This is big. This is not going to change. I don't know how this is going to be like that. And you're stacking it all up. Go ahead. Stack it up. Go ahead. Do that. Stack it all over. Wow, it's big. You know, some of you are bigger than others, <laughs> whatever. But it's all there, okay? He's already beat. He's already defeated it. It's already won. The victory is already set. It's already there. It's so cool because you look at Numbers 21, and they begin to move. You see, they were having trouble moving. They began to move. They began to surge from place to place. And it even says, I know you're going to love this, they moved to beer. That's true. They did. They moved to beer, the city of beer. How many want to live and move to the city of beer? Don't raise your hands. Okay. So they moved to the city of beer. That's okay. Moving to the city of beer. It's in the Bible. You can do it. You know what's you know, really funny? That word actually means well. And so afterwards they were singing, spring up, oh, well. You know what they were singing? Spring up, oh, beer <laughs> in my life. They were doing that. And as funny as that is, if you think about it, they didn't stay there. They moved on. Just leave that there. That'll be another sermon. <laughs> the point is... They were moving, but an enemy, after they were moving, after God ever already redeemed them, after God already did everything, all of a sudden God, uh, they ran into someone that said, you can't pass. They hit a roadblock. How, that's not possible. How do you hit roadblocks? How do you hit roadblocks when God is the one that is leading you and guiding you? You know what that's called? Life. Christian life, there's always going to be those roadblocks that throw up. What do you do when you hit a roadblock? God, you hate me. God, you're not for me. God, you've abandoned me. 
<laughs> I knew there was no God. <laughs> what do you do when you hit a roadblock? How do you how do you respond? How do you live? I love Numbers 21, verse 34. He says, the Lord said to Moses, because Moses was saying, God, what are we going to do? we got this roadblock. And he says, hey, 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 don't be afraid of him. Don't be afraid. And I'll say that to you right now. Don't be afraid. What are you struggling with? What are you dealing with? What are you, what are you having a hard time with? What is it you're thinking, man, God, it's so big. Don't be afraid of it. Don't be afraid of it, for I have already delivered it. <laughs> And already delivered him into your hands along with the whole army and his whole hand. It's already done. The army, the leader, everything, all aspects of that, it, it described completely. It's already done. It's all in past tense. That's what goes, uh, God said to Moses. It's what he's saying to you now if you believe. It's already done. It's already done. But we, you won't move. You won't go anywhere. You will not see a surge in your life if you don't believe, God, you've already done it because I can't. And, I, I, and it's really hard for me. But, God, I believe you are. But God has already done it. God has already moved. It's already there. You know, having, knowing the future would be cool, right? Because you already know it. You know, like back to the future, the very sound scientific uh, series about how do we move back and forth in time. And so they, he goes forward in time and tries to get back to the future. Whatever, I'm lost. But he goes over and he finds a book, right? And the book is from the future and says everybody, every score that's going to happen. So if he can just get it back, you know, he'll be rich. He'll be everything, you know. I just got to get this book. It tells everything. tells everything that's going to happen. Imagine that. Imagine, and you might be thinking, man, if I had a book, it would be great to have a book to know if our lightnings are actually going to turn around. Come on. <laughs> Gonna believe in for them. <laughs> It'd be good to know is this gonna happen? You know, is this gonna? It, it's good to, to know what 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 what's gonna happen. Imagine having a book that tells the future. <laughs> Imagine having a book that tells us what happens. <laughs> Imagine having uh, God's word that begins to lay it out and says, "I am with you. I am for you. I will bring you into victory." That's what we have. Let me just end with this. Joshua going into the promised land. Right, he's going into the promised land. And they're about to cross over the Jordan. And that night before, God says, send your leaders through the land and to tell them to prepare to move. And so they went through the whole camp, you know, a million and a half people. And then the soldiers were probably all up front. And he says, go through the whole bunch and tell them, come on, get ready. Come on, get ready. Get ready. Get ready. Get ready. God's about to do something. We're about to move. Come on, get ready. He, and, and that preparation, so I think, stirred their heart and stirred their faith. And we're going to walk through that. It's, it's flooding. The Jordan is flooding, but God's going to move. And God stopped the water just like that. And they were able to move across on dry land. And God can do that for you. And that, in my word this morning, here's, here's, here's very little simple. Get ready. Get ready. Open your heart. Open your mind. The Holy Spirit is here to move and to touch the precious Holy Spirit that Jesus said would come has, been, has fallen and has surged the church and is still alive today. The Holy Spirit's probably one of the most neglected uh, parts of the Trinity. We really don't know what to do with that. And we're probably going to be talking about how, how does the Holy Spirit move in our lives. But we need to get ready. We need to say, God, I believe. And really, t today was just about simple faith. Just look up and say, God, I trust you. I believe in what you're doing and what you did for me on the cross. You received God's word this morning. Come on. Let me pray for you. Father.
We need you. Your son has died and rose again and provided forgiveness for each one of us. Your spirit is moving even now, touching hearts. Because God, I don't just want an action. I want a heart. I want a heart. You're, you need their hearts, Lord. Need my heart. So, Father, right now, everyone watching, everyone that's in this room, that's willing, we pray, Father, forgive us. Forgive me of all of my sin. Let the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ wash away all of my sin. We look, we believe in who you are and what you're doing. Now, God, I pray for every one of us that, God, you're going to move us, you're going to surge us, you're going to take us to a new place in our walk with you, in our relationship with you, in our understanding of who you are. God, seal that in every single heart. Everyone watching, God, help them, encourage and strengthen them. Let them know they're a part of who we are and what was going on here. And God, you can go right through that camera and touch them. It doesn't matter what they're, where they're at or what they're struggling with. God, encourage them, strengthen them, heal them. Let them know your spirit is alive in, in their very home. We thank you for all of that. In the name of Jesus. Amen.